This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 338, recorded on December 21st, 2017. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy Team Studios here in a blustery, cold ice storm. Mike, did you make it? To, did you even go out today? Did you have to? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the office and then came back. And I was kind of worried, though, that our power lines were getting frozen because our power has been really iffy today. So we'll see if I make it through the whole show. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got some uh, ice blowing through the area, and uh, it was good to get home. I actually have to podcast for work tonight, and I was going to go back after the show here tonight, but I said, "Screw it! I'm going to do the podcast from from home." And uh, I don't do a lot of work podcasting here, but I'm not going to drive back to work in the snow and in the ice. So, of course, we post a show with world class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. Don't forget to join us on our live mobile app if you haven't done that yet. HomeGadgetGeeks.com gets you there. Android, iPhone, easy buttons, just get them downloaded, best way to listen live. It's actually the way I listen to the podcast, like uh, Wednesdays of the week after, I kind of listen to it just to see how things went, quality is, and such like that. Sometimes it's just a good reminder what you're doing. HomeGadgetGeeks.com gets you there. Big thanks to Eric, who came on last week and joined us last week. A little look back from the World's Fair, the, the, the uh, 1964 World's Fair, which, Mike, as I was doing a little research during the weekend, as I was putting the show notes out, man, there was a lot of things that came out of that 64 World's Fair that had major impacts, and we kind of talked about them all last week. Um, I learned there. a lot. I just sat back and listened and learned. That was a that was a fun show for me to be a part of, but I felt more like a listener than a, than a co-host. Yeah, kind of fun to do this back in the day stuff. We've got uh, I've got Baron coming on here, and uh, uh, Paul Baron's going to uh, join us here, and we're going to talk about that in the next one. If you have something like that where you want to go back in the day and talk about something that influenced your technology or learning or growing, if you got those stories. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. We'll try to get that on the program like we had Eric. Eric, thanks for doing that. He did a great job on the show as well, and we appreciate it. A, f- a reminder as well, if you haven't got your Home Gadget Geeks t-shirt, I know it's Christmas, but yeah, boom. Weeger's got his on over there. Hold on. let me Weeger, let me let me give you full. Yeah, uh, model it. This is the gray uh, in yeah. extra large. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> Not the, uh, yeah, the, the dad size. This right? is the dad size shirt. This is not the uh, college Mike size shirt. Well, even the other one, uh, now Hannah has. And so yeah. if you haven't gotten your Home Gadget Geeks t-shirt yet, still time. We'll probably leave them out there until mid-January or so and pull those in with a new design. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash shirt to get that done. We're talking all drones tonight. I'm super excited. We may even sneak in a little current cryptocurrency conversation. <laughs> By the way, let me say, the last couple episodes, including a heated discussion between Mike and I, we talked about this two weeks ago, which was super awesome. We've been all crypto in the post-show. And if you haven't subscribed to the post-show via Patreon, it's probably the time to get it done now. So head out to, to theaverageguy.tv, click on the Patreon link. One buck gets you in the mix, gets you on it. All the post-show stuff is there. And Mike, I think we went an hour and a half, maybe. It was one of the longest post-shows we've ever done. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty good. Good entertainment, too, Mike. Yeah. Good entertainment. Mike gets a little heated with me. So we'll talk some crypto in this post show as well, I am sure. And so if you want to uh, if you want to get in on that, um, uh, get subscribed on Patreon and get it in. All right, Dave McCabe is with us. Keith Lunsford is with us. Yes. We are talking drones because if you were at the meetup, and even if you weren't at the meetup, there was some pretty awesome 
drone stuff going on. And as I think about the meetup that's coming up this fall here in the uh, here in Omaha, Nebraska, I think we're going to feature drones a whole lot more. But Dave, uh, Keith's got his mic on. Keith, welcome to the program. Thanks. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. And Dave uh, also flew his stuff at high speed at the meetup. Dave, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you. Uh, let me mention, by the way, if you are a home Gadget Geek subscriber and you have not yet made that jump over to Reset uh, Dave's podcast, you definitely want to make the jump over. If you've missed all the, I mean, it has been like a uh, like mesh Wi-Fi central. It has been like getting cameras outside. It has been like pool, you know, setting up a pool and a pool house. Dave, how's the pool house coming, by the way? Well, I tweeted out a, a picture today of a front-end loader in my front yard. I said, nothing speaks Christmas like a good old digger in your front yard. <laughs> so it's... Come I on. Don't, I don't know why it's taking so long to get the pool house. And the, this pool house is, you know, it's got a bathroom, it's got sewer, it's got water services. So we got to get all that to the front yard. So obviously we're digging up a lot of our property, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, sod goes back down pretty easily, and, and yeah. by summer, you'll never know that uh, that those things were there. But if you haven't subscribed, if you're listening, you haven't subscribed to Reset, Reset, um, you need to be doing that. So get out there, get that subscribed to. Dave, what's the easiest place if folks want to subscribe? How, what's the best way? Uh, easiest Reset.fm. Reset.fm is the easiest place to get over there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, subscribe with your favorite uh, podcatcher. There's all kinds of links there. You can just click on one and... Uh, yeah, I love it. Solo podcast. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones when uh, when you get around to it. And uh, and again, you've had some really detailed information on a lot of that mesh stuff, a lot of the a lot of the home automation stuff that's going on. You definitely want to jump in on that if you haven't gotten to it. All right, today we're talking drones. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a quick roundtable and go around. Dave, I'm gonna start with you. Let's talk a little bit about your equipment. And I'm kind of interested in. Did you start with something? smaller and cheaper and work your way up or did you just go all out with what you got so give oh, me kind of give question. me that story good question because it also leads to um to that answer that we flyers have to give on what should i buy what should i start with and that uh just like everything else changes over the um over the duration of of years so i started out with uh, a dji phantom 3 and that was, it, it's a good beginner drone. And that there's multiple iterations of those. There's a, there's a, a pro and a in-between and, and a standard. But I also, I've always had this little bitty toy, right? I don't know if you guys have ever had a little toy drone, but they've gotten really, really better over the years. You know, back when I first bought them, you, you know, you'd fly them into walls. They didn't have altitude hold. You know, they, we clipped plants. My wife had this plant from her grandmother that was like 30 to 40 years old. And we were flying one day, <laughs> just beheaded the thing. And she's like, ah! oh no, <laughs> sorry, did you, dear. Did you kill it? Oh, oh yeah. We back? cut the whole thing right <laughs> off. I mean, even <laughs> it's gone. There's nothing we could do about it. Um, Sorry, <laughs> uh, flying indoors too. Great. So right. yeah, I, I I went to the school of hard knocks with the toy drones, and it used to be you would say you know don't waste your money on the toy drones because they were you know they're hundred bucks, and you could put that money into a larger drone. 
But DJI has pushed the prices so far down that you can literally just put that money into, you know, a nice consumer drone and be able to fly. So I flew one of those big, heavy, gargantuan drones. Like, like I know Mike has a, a Phantom 4 and, and we got some even bigger ones out there for photography. But uh, now I am flying the ultimate consumer drone and it literally lands and takes off in my palm. It's the Spark and you can get, you can get the drone itself for $399. You get the Fly More combo with the, um, with the little controller for 200 bucks more. And so you know, 500 sense. gets you in five, 600 gets you in at that level. That, yeah. That's a pretty good place to yeah. start. And this is completely a consumer drone. There is nothing professional about this little guy. And, and when you say that, Dave, I mean, so what completely consumer versus pro, I mean, what are the differences? Well, you know, pro drones are, you can have a pro drone for whatever you're flying. Honestly, there's uh, the stigma of a pro drone is going to be, you know, what two grand and up on some really high end drones that you can place different cameras on. You can put infrared cameras, you can put, you know, 4k cameras on and, and, and that kind of thing. This is a consumer drone. It's a 1080p camera. It's only a two axis gimbal. So if you put this thing into a sport mode, which is when it really flies and you do a bank on it, you know, your camera is going to bank with you and it looks horrible. Um, you do a bank on a, a higher end drone, like a Phantom 3, Phantom 4, uh, Mavic, that three axis gimbal is going to go with you. So you'll never know you're turning and going back and forth. This little guy won't do that. But... This little guy has $50 batteries. I mean, little cheap batteries. And you can put this thing in the tightest of places. I'll fly this in inside bushes, you know, in between trees and all this stuff. I've, I've dropped it down into the trampoline, uh, messing with the kids. Um, it's a really fun little drone to fly. And it also has, uh, I don't even remember what we call it, but it has the... Uh, where it will, you could literally fly it into your house and it will not hit it. So it's got, and, it's got, and I agree on those. Well, okay. I agree and disagree on a few things, you know, the, the pro level and what people should get into. I do think that the, those drones too, a lot of the footage you get, um, sometimes it really doesn't matter what drone you have. Now I'm, I'm talking like starting at the spark at the lowest level. If we consider it not, not like the hundred dollar drones, but if you take the spark up, um, you can get a lot of amazing shots with any drone. If you, if you know what you're doing and you know how to edit in the end. So I think right. for a lot of people that spark actually gets them a lot further than they think it will. Um, you're right though with the gimbals. Like if you're looking to have this thing, do all the hard stuff for you. Maybe that's not the drone. You need the three axis gimbal. You need some of the other, you know, parts of the other drones, but uh, you, I have seen some amazing footage come from those sparks. Uh, yeah. No, you're, you're completely right. Footage. I totally agree with you there. It's I, I was kind of trying to get around while I spilled my coffee everywhere and I was stuttering. <laughs> I was, I'm sure you, I know you heard that. Cause you're like, what was that? Dave? I, I <laughs> did hear the knock, but it's so <laughs> you spilled like, the coffee. Oh, crap. It's just a little bit. Um, it's kind of that old adage, the best camera you have is the one you have with you, right? That's, you, can, uh, yes. you can get amazing, amazing footage from this. I mean, and But you're not going to chase a motorcycle. You're not going to chase no. a car with it, you know, like, like you would with an Inspire series. 
but you're right. completely right. If you know what you're doing, you can get some excellent footage from this thing. And I've been trying to teach myself that because I am, I like to get it out and I like to fly like a madman all around, you know, my property and in and out all the open areas. I love zipping this thing, you know, 30 miles an hour, you know, in between trees. And like I said, flying like, like a madman, but you can put this thing in a mode like tripod mode and do some, you know, some beautiful, beautiful pull away shots. And right. so it's just like you said, it's the camera that you have with you. And if it's a spark, it's a great 1080p camera. Definitely. Keith, yeah, Keith you had started, uh, I, I think you were maybe one of the early ones in this. <laughs> You know, I remember a day you, you bought some stuff and crashed it and oh. then you bought some new parts. I remember talking to you about that and you had to, well, I flew it for 20 minutes, <laughs> right? <laughs> we've come, we've come a ways. what did you start with and, and where are you at now? Yeah. So the first one I had, I actually, um, haven't been able to sell it or haven't chosen to sell it yet, but this was, this was the first one. This is a, a hexcopter. It weighs... It's got to be four or five pounds, maybe 10. It's, I mean, it's, it's heavy. Um, and it's been through a lot of iterations and I've replaced every component on it at least once. Um, it's kind of a hacker model. You can do just about anything to it. It's just uh, um, basically a Linux. Ar ar it's an Arduino um, computer in it, CPU in it. And uh, it, it's, it's a really, ha really a, a hacker model and all the components are, as you could see, you could bolt on and replace every part on it, which again, I've probably replaced everything on it at least once. Um, and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a little clunky to fly. Uh, it'll pick up a lot of weight. Um, and I just couldn't, I, I probably spent more time working on it than I actually spent flying it. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I started. Uh, I bought that in 2014, summer of 2014. So I've had, you know, it's, it's three years, which, isn't very long, but uh, in drone ages, it's uh, it, it's been around a while. Yeah, and hopefully, you didn't use Bitcoin to pay for that uh, uh, drone because yeah. now it's worth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Just kidding. Right. I said I wouldn't talk about crypto. Keep going. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, kind of a knockoff of a DJI that was made back then. Um, uh, so yeah, it was it was more of a kind of a hacker model, which really the drones were. Um, and since then, I've gone to the Mavic. Um, Oh, that's the wrong one. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, I got the the Mavic, which is basically the a step up from uh, from the Spark, which Dave has. Uh, you can see it's it's a lot bigger. It folds up, which is cool. It, it's really compact. Um, once you get it folded up, it's probably a little smaller than the Spark. I guess we never compared. Um, it's very similar. It's got a 4K camera, the three-axis gimbal, like like Dave mentioned. Um, it's about $1,300 for the fly more combo um, to replace just the, the, the unit itself is about $800. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's very, very similar to the, to the spark as far as the features and such. Um, I can't launch it from my hand. Um, I believe the, the spark, you can actually like you hold the battery button or something and it'll actually completely launch out of your hand. Uh, I don't have that option like the spark, um, but it does, basically everything uh, Dave was talking about with his. So they're, they're very similar in features. Um, it goes a little bit faster. I've had it mm -hmm. 47 miles an hour, um, wow. which was fast. <laughs> I, I think 
I don't know about you, Mike, but I think the Mavic is what started this revolution towards, you know, consumer drone ownership. I mean, that thing turned the industry on its head. Well, yeah, I think I think the Phantom Four, the Phantom Series started it, and the Mavic, like done deal. This is a this is a consumer item. The Mavic is still to this day the drone I suggest to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of wish I had it. I would even trade out my Phantom Four for it. Um, you get you get everything you have in a Phantom Four in a smaller form factor. You can take it everywhere. Um, I, I think that is the best drone on the market right now for a for a consumer. You know, a uh, I think I think it beats out a lot of other models. Now, the one question on those newer Mavics, do they have sensors on all four sides? No, it's still front and bottom. Still that's it. Front and bottom, and that's yeah. what see. That's what my Phantom is because I don't have the Phantom Four Pro. I just have the Phantom Four. That's the only thing I'm missing. If they added those four sensors on all sides to the Mavic. Uh, I think it's game over because I just I love that drone. I think it's perfect. I think that would be awesome too. Yeah, yeah. Keith, we've we've watched Dave's footage. Uh, <laughs> he's doing a lot of work, especially with the pool work that he's doing at his house. He shot a whole all over the summer. He shot a bunch of video of it. That's fantastic. Right. Um, you can get that on Dave's YouTube channel if you want to see where he's doing with it. What are you? What do you do with your drone? How often are you flying it? Have you found? What are you finding the most enjoyment in when we think about how you're using it? So I've again I've been flying drones since before we had cameras. Um, I've got a, a a GoPro that I I put on my big one once in a while. But uh, I just I enjoy flying it. I do some video work. Um, I don't find the time to do any editing. So I've got uh, you know a terabyte of 4K video that should be edited and and put up. Uh, we've we've done some traveling with it. We were down in. Uh, um, Port Aransas right before the hurricane hit and got some just beautiful footage. Um, that's the advantage of this one with the size is, is with the Mavic. Um, I can take the four batteries, the unit, the radio, um, and the charger and, and they fit in a backpack. So it's easy to, to carry on a plane. Um, and again, I took it out to, to the meetup too. So it's small enough to travel with. It was fun to take to the meetup, but, uh, I, I just enjoy flying with it more than I enjoy the video. Cause I'm not, I don't have, or take the time to do all the editing. Do you, right. do you have to turn the video on each time or do you, do you just sometimes just enjoy it for the, for the sake of flying? Actually, I, I don't turn the video on about half the time. Um, and unfortunately, I'll, I have to tell you about the crash, but uh, um, I didn't have the video running when I crashed the first my first Mavic, uh, which is kind of a shame. So, yeah, you can you can choose to have it on or not. Um, but there's always something when I when I'm recording. There's always something I want to save. Um, I just again don't get the time to to edit. So uh, the Drobo's full of footage right now that needs edited. How'd you crash the first one? <laughs> so I uh, as Mike mentioned it doesn't have um any sensors on the back of it and i, I just a foolish mistake i kind of backed it into something and, and broke a propeller off uh it was a harmless crash just a couple scratches uh, but uh I, I replaced the propeller went to fly it again um when i took off with it it made a tiny bit different sound than it usually does and that's uh, with the hexcopter it's not a big deal because it always made a different sound <laughs> Um, there was always something wrong with it, but, uh, um, I got it up to, to 200 feet right above my head. And, uh, I looked up and the, that I, I saw two pieces of propel propeller flying opposite directions. Mm. So one of my four propellers came apart and the entire unit started spinning like a propeller. 
<laughs> and uh, it was going towards a townhome, um, not far, basically across the street from my house and kind of towards a, a busy street that we've got, uh, you know, 300 yards from my house. And I panicked and just killed the power. Um, so I watched it drop 200 feet oh. and uh, it bounced about six feet off the street. And uh, that was it. Wow. <laughs> it's funny that you can say do that. Yeah. Because everybody. I think each flyer knows the sound that their drone makes, right? right? You know what it sounds like when it goes up. So, man, I I guess you were just killing yourself like, yeah, maybe that little twinge of a sound was not a tight propeller. Maybe I should have brought it down. Exactly. And and with the hexcopter, I've I've had propellers uh, fail, you know, while it was flying and when you lose one of six, it just it's kind of a nuisance, but it's kind of fun to to challenge yourself to to bring it back when you lose yeah. one of four it's it's not does not work out so well no it never comes back friend <laughs> i did the same thing this drone right here is actually a, uh it's been serviced already by dji because in my first you know i was first two months i think of flying i was practicing around my home because i'm starting to do home videos you know for realtors so yeah. i was just doing doing my house a bunch of times practicing all different angles seeing what looks good and i was like oh a fade back shot would look really good uh, now I know you do it forwards and you reverse it in post, but I, I actually backed up. Like you said, I'm watching the monitor, looking how the house looks and tree branch caught it, tumbled about uh, 60 feet out of the air. And I had the same experience as you just bounced off the ground and cracked everything, broke the gimbals. But I had the DJI care plan, which actually I think is well worth the money. Uh, if you do go with one of these DJI drones, they give you up to the, up to the replacement cost of just flat out replacing it in service and you get it for a year. So the parts I used, it was $500 worth of service. So I still had, uh, I still have $700 on my repair that I can use. So if this happens again, uh, I'm still covered under that one $200 purchase of DJI care. So not, not a bad program they have over there. Yeah. They would not cover mine. Um, they oh, went through, really? yeah, they went through the logs and figured out, you know, that I, I had had a previous wreck and uh, um, it showed that the propeller quit, quit working while it was flying. It's uh, I've got all the, you know, all the records that, that show that a propeller failed and uh, they, so they would they not cover it, it. Uh, because I had crashed it and didn't replace oh, the broken parts. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it is crazy. They will look at those. And if you were above 400 feet, if you broke any of the rules, if you know, things like that, they will check, they need your logs in order to do the repair. It's very, uh, it's a good, I mean, it's a good program, right? They, they kind of right. know what they're doing, but it's also kind of like, oh man. Yeah. You can't, you can't make up a story because no, they're going to know. They even, when you send them those logs, I don't know if you've, I mean, you've obviously looked at them. It shows where, like what you were doing with the joystick at that exact time. So yeah. how far forward were you pressing? How far back were you turning? It knows ex like everything. And it's even done it on top of a Google map layer. So they know exactly where you were flying at that time. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really neat. They can tell if you were over a populated area or something yep. like that. Exactly. I enjoy that as well, guys. You can, you know, in your app, I know you guys have done it, but you can kind of replay your flight and you can throw your sticks on there. Yeah. Because I had a I had a real tense situation where I learned not to do this anymore <laughs> behind my garage where, you know, when the house makes a, a certain angle of houses and you got a couple of trees, you got to thread your drone in the, into a nice little spot. Well, you know, the, if the wind gets going, it can create some weird currents. And I tried to, I took off, there was no wind. When I came back to land, it got really windy and I, I started bringing it down and it just started drifting all over the place. And, you know, I just slamming the stick up to get it out of there. But I tried to, you know, I played it back into my, in, 
on my screen to see exactly what were my stick actions and did I do anything wrong? And I could see that, no, the wind actually really, you know, knocked this drone around and that's uh, it's significant because it's supposed to stay in place for you. But as you know, they, they do drift a little bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was trying to do some filming in Casper, Wyoming, where it's, you know, it's always windy and uh, trying to do some, some filming of the uh, front of this historic building we had done some work on and coming, you know, going up above the building where it's windy and coming back down where it's not windy. Um, I just about hit the building a few times. I, I couldn't really get the, the footage I was shooting for just because the, the wind was, was yeah. too unpredictable to make it work. Yeah, and that wonder. is one area I think that I've seen some of like the Phantom series and the bigger drones handle that wind a little bit better. Uh, I think, you know, you, I love the Mavic and I've flown, my buddy has a Mavic, I have the Phantom. We've flown in the same scenarios a, a lot. And we did find that in those high wind scenarios, it is the one advantage that the Phantom does have over the other ones. I don't know what it is, if it's the weight, if it's kind of the structure of, of the drone, how, whatever it is. The Phantom, I am just so impressed. It'll give me that high wind warning. It'll say, hey, it's really windy. And a lot of times in your, if you look at the footage you recorded, you'll see that it was trying to stay steady so much that you start to see the legs of the drone in the shot because it's almost sideways trying to stay uh, in that perfect spot with the wind. So kind of insane how well those do stay up though in the wind. Yeah. yeah. In my experience, I, th- I think that is weight because I go from the big, you know, the hexcopter hardly ever had wind issues. I could fly in 20, okay. 30 mile an hour winds and uh, this Mavic just does not. And then if you think about the toy ones, like David mentioned earlier, um, you don't take those outside because they just can't handle any breeze at all. Right. Yeah. The breezes will push them around and the wind does push around the little spark too. I found that I can't, you know, I used to be used to flying the Phantom three and I could fly it. I, we went to Portugal and flew in the Azores and you know, it's a volcanic Island. It's windy all the time. And you know, the Phantom just tore through it. You know, I, we flew everywhere. I got some beautiful footage. I've seen some of those videos. That's great. You know, Drone 360 magazine came out with one of their last magazines. They've since went belly up. But um, Portugal and the Azores Islands was uh, their number one travel destination for drone flying. And the exact same spot that I was flying is in their picture of uh, the Azores. I thought that was that was pretty cool. That's great. Actually, my pictures are a little better than theirs. And you were there first, right? Right. I beat him. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But um. I don't know what I was going to say. Um, the one thing, when you were talking about size, about the, the Mavic, and I have Mavic Envy. Don't me get too. me wrong. I love that Mavic. So I don't. I thought I want to try the little Spark first, and I thought then I'll probably you know sell it and go move up to the Mavic. But what I found is the size of this is a great excuse for a toy right. right this looks like a toy and we re- we recently went on a cruise and the cruise ships really do not like you to bring drones onto the cruise ship they will confiscate it and you can pick it up every time you go on and off oh wow fly so what i did is i thought i'm gonna test so i you know, when you fold this thing up, actually, you take the propellers off, right? I took the propellers off. I, I stuffed them. I put this in a bag, and then I carried uh, the controller and batteries in a different bag. So I put this, like, in the suitcase, and I can carry this in my uh, backpack. 
And of course, they x-ray everything, but no one ever stopped me going on and off of this uh, cruise ship. It was a, this was a Royal Caribbean and I had a great time with it. So, and I, if I would have had my phantom in that big, huge black case that I had, they would have stopped me, you know, pointed guns at me that, you know, evil drone flyer that I am and uh, confiscated my drone, you know, port to port. But with this, it's a toy. And I always, I always say, if I crash this into a moving car or somebody's head, I'm just going to say, Hey, it's a toy. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's something else I was going to bring up. Do you have insurance on it, Dave? I you have a policy that will somewhat cover, you know, my failings, okay. but specific drone coverage. I do not. You should look at an AMA, um, the American Modelers Association. Um, if I've seen that in the magazine, it's so cheap. And, uh, just, I mean, I've been with AMA for years, but, uh, they give you the liability insurance and it's, it's substantial insurance for, I can't remember what the account is. It's less than a hundred bucks a year, I think for a, for a policy. Right. Well, I went down the road of part 107 and doing this professionally and, and I, <laughs> I quickly, I quickly just, there goes the coffee thing. <laughs> I've got to put this somewhere where I can see it. Oh, by the way, the Microsoft wedge keyboard holds a lot of liquid and it still works. <laughs> I'm getting animated. You know, when I do my you podcast, are, you know, I get animated. So when you're, when you're recording your podcast by yourself and it's not live, you get as, as animated. Oh, yeah. people would, if they saw me, they'd think I was crazy. They literally, yeah. which I kind of am, but you know, like I said, I was going down the part 107 Avenue of doing the professional flying and, you know, throwing my a company behind it. And I quickly realized that it's, that's not for me. It's for some people. It wasn't for me because I'm, I'm the aloof flyer. I like to, I like to play and I didn't want to work with my hobby and I wanted to keep it a hobby. So that's one of the reasons I went with the spark, but I was, investigating that insurance and i'm sure Weger can tell us about all that insurance because <laughs> yeah, if you're flying professional you gotta have it right uh i mean it's uh, <laughs> maybe i don't got it i don't know i don't know i mean yeah, you know you know uh yeah no i do have a policy but actually i can't even find it right now. i was actually looking to see if i could find it i got it way back when i first started it was super cheap so i am covered uh it would just take me a while to actually find the policy i can't remember who it went through um but yeah i am licensed i am part 107 licensed but as far as the insurance goes um especially for me because i'm not doing live events the places i'm shooting there's no one around it's a house uh the type of shooting i do is not very not very risky uh, there's right. never people where i'm shooting if i started to do more events where there were people i did do one for harley davidson they had an event and i was a little bit worried about it you know what if this thing comes tumbling down on these people they all knew it was there um so so i do worry about it a little bit um but more just making sure you're licensed but the interesting what you said about being a hobby flyer it benefits everyone to be a hobby flyer like don't get your part 107 the steps i have to go through to fly near an airport are way more than if you're just a hobbyist all you have to do is call them and alert them you're there i have to like get permission i have to get a special like it i guess it's like a i don't know what they call it basically i have to get permission for a certain set period of time and you have to do it like 60 days ahead of time it is a pain if you're a part 107 flyer to fly near an airport but if you're a hobby guy you just call them let them know you're there 
And uh, if they have an objection to it, they can tell you that. But otherwise, you just have to alert them that you're there, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of airports, I'm exactly five miles from our little metro airport um, and they fly jets in and out. There's some commercial flight, you know, tiny commercial flights. And uh, uh, I've got a, a 300 foot ceiling at my home um, to fly here. It's it's just an agreement. They let me they let me do it. I don't have to you know go through any hoops, but they gave me a 300 foot ceiling. Now, if you were part 107, would it be different? I'm sure it would. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that's yeah. the hard part. I, I wish I wish I was uh, more actually, and I go back and forth. I've trying to been trying to see if I'm just flying for fun on my own, if I could consider myself just a hobbyist, and then if I'm ever doing work for work, then okay, then I have to follow the part 107 rules. I still there's no clear answer on that. On hey, if you have the license, do you have to follow those rules 100 percent of the time, or only when you're doing commercial work? So it's still kind of up in the air. Yeah, it's kind of like being a truck driver and having a CDL. You know, once once you have that commercial license, you get a ticket out of state. You know, that goes on your on your record whether you're driving a commercial truck or, you know, the family car across Nevada. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's the same sort of thing. And with drone stuff, we just don't know yet. Like, what are because the rules are still so gray. Yeah. Dave, and it probably depends on what you do wrong and what liability you you incur at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Dave, if you're since you're the spark owner, and I'll throw this out to the three of you for most of our for most of the listeners, somebody listening wants to get into this. Is a spark the right way to get started? I mean, is that kind of the easiest, cheapest, but not the cheapest of the? I mean, we're talking we're still talking six hundred bucks, right? For for most folks to get in, minimum, is that the right way to go? This is this is a tough question, Jim. This is tougher than you you think it is because. Folks I have seen get into this hobby. Some of them, like there's a golf course in a little lake behind my house. And I zip around on that like it's a piece of grass, right? Like I have, it's not even water to me. And I invited a friend over to fly. And he's like, I'm not flying over that. I'm like, why not? He's like, it's water. I'm like, you're not going to land on it. (laughs) You're going to fly over it. Uh Uh-uh, it's water. And I was like, so... Honestly, there's a portion of the public today that really shouldn't even own one. <laughs> yeah. You know, cuz they're they're just nut jobs, right? But the spark if you're just truly recreational and you're going to do quick hits and photography and pictures, then yes. If you want to kind of get into what I would say, you know, professional photography for a consumer, I would definitely look at the Mavic. Mm -hmm. I would probably push someone to the Mavic first. If I thought that they really didn't qualify and they thought it was too much risk because the price is almost double, I would bring them back down to the Spark and say, why don't we try this? But I would never do the Spark without the controller because you can buy this for $400 and fly this with your phone but you're not going to have as much fun as if you had the sticks in your hand. And plus with the sticks and one little modification of a parabolic antenna, you can send this thing out 6,000 feet. This little toy, you can fly over a mile from your home. And that is just wicked unbelievable. And I know the Mavic, I mean, how far would that thing fly? Just, on the radio, I've gone up just over a mile, um, okay. and the the video starts cutting out before the you know before the 
uh, controls do. So that I've, I've chickened out about that. I've, I mm-hmm. just haven't been in a position to where I should go any farther than that. Right. Now, both of those will return, right? If you, if it loses radio contact, are they're coming back now? This is in the early days. They just fly away, right? <laughs> it seemed like people would be like, "Yep, I lost radio control. It's gone." Back to China. Here I go. <laughs> I tried to chase the thing down, but I never found it. Are they both coming back, Keith? Is that the way it's is that the way it works? Yeah, absolutely. And I think all the G- DJI models, even Mike's, and and I think they all have for probably a year or so. Every, every model that's been out yeah. always, if it loses signal, if the battery gets too low, um, there's a home button you can push on it, um, or it, it you can program it to always fail back to the back to the launch. And mm-hmm. that's how fast these things are progressing. I mean, this is not like a phone where it's one per year. This I got for Christmas last year. I mean, it was it was, it was this was like the newest Phantom Four you could get. Mm-hmm. A year ago, this time, and since then, we've had the Phantom Four Pro, we've had the the Mavic, we've had all these other drones come out. The Spark, I mean, it's just gotten insane in the last year. It's really been a boom, I think, yeah. for drones. So much so, I'm like, man, it was like literally months. If we would have waited, I could have had way more options in terms of uh, drones. I mean, but this was the best Phantom you could get at the time, and that's how far we've come with that. I, but yeah, I, I agree. I think the Spark is good for some people, but I again, uh, like Dave, I would push people towards towards that mavic uh you're looking at nine hundred dollars i think they're on sale now actually they're usually a thousand um on sale for nine hundred and i think it's a really good starting point and i think people get into this and they get hooked and they wish they would have just invested that money um in a better drone or you know a different drone whatever it is and so i i I would push people towards the mavic if they're going to invest in one but that being said the spark is still a great drone i when i first got into it i bought that the cheapest Phantom 3 that I could buy because I honestly thought I am going to be so chicken with this thing. I Because I, I don't Xbox, guys. I can't. I cannot run and move the aiming reticule any quicker. I can't. I can't do it. I get a headshot. I'm dead. So I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to fly this stupid drone. So I'm going to buy the cheapest one and just, just play with it. And of course, I thought I should have bought you know, the higher end one, but I did have fun, you know, outfitting it and reviewing it and doing the mods. And I bought a second controller and I modded the controller and that's what I like to do. That's, that's why I think that I was uh, born to mine, right? Because it <laughs> it's hands-on and there's a lot of things you, you can do with it. You can occupy your time. It's a, it's a great hobby. And I'm I'm starting to do that a little bit with the Spark, like like this little parabolic antenna thing you can buy for eight bucks, and throw it onto the, and it you know it just curves your signal and shoots it straight to the drone. And um, Jim, to answer your question, yes, all of these DJI models will do a return to home. So you think that we're flying them with such ease, but. I would say almost there's a very large percentage of the crashes and the failures of drones are human driven, right? It's, it's, it's a fault of the flyer and not the machine. Now, a lot of times you'll get a bird strike. Yeah. The propeller could break, um, you know, the wind, you know, mother nature, who knows? That's probably like 10%. But a lot of this is pilot error. And some of the times you don't even know that you're making the error. You run the battery down so low, you can't get it back home 
the thing tries to land and it'll try to land anywhere. It doesn't care if it's over water or not. It's not going to drop itself out of the sky. It will land before the battery runs out. Now you can cancel it. And I've known a lot of people that they didn't know you could set the return to home height. So they they fly it out of their sight and it's behind a building and they go, okay, return to home. Well, it doesn't know, Hey, there's a building. I'll just fly over that real quick and drop into where Dave took off. No, it's going to start. It's like the crow flies, right? It's going to go a straight line to your house. And if it hits a building, it hits a building. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I find a lot of YouTubes and a lot of blogs and a lot of people, even photographers and reviewers like from The Verge, um, Mike Fisher, Mr. Mobile, that guy, you know, you can watch him crash one of these and lose it because they make mistakes and they don't study and practice. So there's a very large percentage of the public that, you know, you're going to have trouble. If you you kind of have to do your homework, don't you, Mike? You do. But I was going to actually say, I think I get in the most trouble when I get too comfortable. Like yes. I, at, at the first, I was never going to crash that drone on the first month I had it ever. Like there was no, cause I was so freaking careful with it. Uh, I made sure, but as soon as you get comfortable and you think I got this, that's when I backed into the tree. It's like things you don't think about. Um, I mean, there's just, you just, you're looking down the screen. Oh, I got it. I don't need to check it very often. So it's almost like the opposite too. Once you get in it, then like stay practiced and actually stick to your like fundamentals. It's almost like basketball, right? Like the fundamentals you really need to stick to, uh, because when you get too comfortable, it's, it's not only going to hurt your drone and cost you money. It's actually like somewhat dangerous with these drones. And I see people all the time start to break the rules when they get really comfortable. They're like 400 feet. What's 600 going to hurt? What's 700 going to hurt? What's 800 going to hurt? And my buddy is a, uh, he's a pilot and he, I mean, he's, he, so he's the one with the Mavic actually. He's a huge drone guy, but he's also a pilot and he flies and he does a uh, pipeline inspection. He's like, do you know what I fly at? He goes, I fly at 500 feet. And he goes, I mean, you decide to go up just a hundred feet more than your maximum. He goes, that thing's going to take out my front propeller. He goes, I'm in a tiny little Cessna. He goes, that's, that's going to do some damage. He goes, you'd be surprised what kind of damage that thing could do to my propeller. Um, and he goes, and I fly at 500 feet. He goes, so it's just, he actually really believes in these rules. And he's like, most people don't think about the consequences. He goes, I'm coming in so fast. He goes, you won't even know I'm there. And then all of a sudden I'm there. So I think just like staying with the rules, staying with their fundamentals are really important as you become a more seasoned veteran uh, with your flight. It starts to become more and more important because I've been guilty of that too. Before I talked to him, I was guilty of going beyond 400 feet a little bit. Uh, I can't get the perfect really? shot. I'll go 425. Yeah. I mean, oh. I would go, I'd never went above like 500, but I would take it up between, you know, above that 400 limit. Yeah. Um, and there are certain laws to get you around that. If uh, like, if there's a building, you actually have 400 feet beyond Correct. the top of that building. Right. Um, so if you find Structures, a really small building, yeah. you can go pretty darn high. Um, I like so, breaking the rules close to the ground. That's, <laughs> that's what, right. what I like to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Some of those where you're trying to get that shot and it's just like you're not high enough if you're looking straight down to get the whole ball field or to get something. You're like, add 25 more feet might get me there. Um, But ever since really I had that talk with him, it kind of brings it all home. Like, yeah, he's fine. I mean, this is, I mean, there are planes up there. There are other items out there that you got to worry about. Those laws are set for a reason. 400 feet may, might seem low to everyone else, uh, but it's actually, it's actually perfect. The perfect type for us. We don't have no need to go higher than 400 feet. Keith, you were going to say something earlier. Uh, I don't even remember. I, I, I've, I've actually, uh, 
you were talking about recommending the spark. Um, I have a handful of people that I work with that have been looking at, they've, they've been asking me, you know, if they know I've got the drone. They're like, so what's the, what's the best drone I can get for a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. And, uh, uh, two of them I've convinced to, to go with the spark. Um, it's just, it's silly to, to not at least start at that position, even though it's, again, it's, it's double the budget they were hoping for. And I totally agree with Dave. Do not buy a drone. If it doesn't come with a controller, don't try to do the Wi-Fi thing with your phone. It's, it's a little laggy. Um, it's just not really not the efficient way to go. It's, it's, you really want to have those joysticks in your hands. Like you said, mm-hmm. you need that tactile response too, right? Like that, yeah. the, the, it's just really hard. I've tried to fly a drone on the phone and when you don't have that tactile response, it's near impossible. Right. It's like a TV remote, Richard Gunther. Um, you really <laughs> have to, <laughs> you want to be able to look at the drone and, and just know how, what you're touching and, and how you're flying it without having to stare at the screen and, and lose right. sight of your, of your aircraft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about, uh, doing, you know, tapping it into, you know, I've flown it down a, a wooded path and uh you know that's that's like threading a needle with trees and little branches you think you walk down this path and you think i can do this and then you actually get the drone in there it's like wow i'm crazy yeah you have to put yours into addy mode to do that for it to not have the sensors yeah it'll drive you nuts yeah it'll drive you nuts to try and use the sensor yeah okay at the at the meetup uh there were birds (laughs) you can't Uh, at the at the meetup there were birds Keith uh, Keith was flirting with the birds. And oh yeah, I I had only owned the Spark for two months, and I was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm flying away. <laughs> of course, I did. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about with this thing is what we did at the meetup is I took it up, I put it into uh, I don't know hand mode, recognition gesture, mode, yeah, gesture mode. Oh, how you does can that actually that? have this thing, and you can put it into palm mode, Jim, like this. And when you move your palm, it'll fly with you, you know, like this. And then you can do certain, certain uh, gestures. Like I, oh, you do a, it's like a wobbly arm wave. You have to do it from elbow to hand and you do that big wave and it'll do that 45 degree angle uh, pullout shot for you. And then you can also uh, close your hands into a rectangle or your fingers into a rectangle and it'll start beeping the front lights just like a camera would and give you a little countdown and do take a picture. A droney. A droney. So we did that at the meetup right there in the parking lot. And I think I published that in the forums or online somewhere. And uh, so that's, that's really kind of neat. So I I completely forgot you can do that. It's, it's kind of like a little party drone as well. So you also can, you know, take off, you can do a palm, uh, launch and I I like doing a palm landing. You can even do a palm landing with the controller out. If you're flying in controller mode and you just start bringing stick down, you stick out your palm, it'll stop. The spark will stop, and it'll say, "Oh, there's a palm. He wants to palm land." And then it'll come down into your palm, and once it rests in your palms, it'll turn off the motors. So you don't even yeah. have to do that double stick move down to you know, to kill the motors. It just does it for you. So, yeah, the Mavic does the landing kind of like that. You got to kind of snatch it out of the air. Um, the spark, I understand you can hold, like you can actually hold it in your hand and you hold the battery button or something and you can launch it out of your hand freestyle. Yes. There is a maneuver where you can do that. Absolutely. And it'll just take off. You can completely launch, launch it into palm mode and not 
not even have your controller with you and just do it like that and then land it as well. Yeah, the the Mavic doesn't do that. It would be a little awkward with the the power button on top. I don't know that you could, you could, you know, obviously you physically couldn't do it, but that's, uh, that's a couple of the, um, uh, like the toy modes you were talking about. It's, it's a little more of a a hobbyist um, where this, they call it the Mavic pro. I don't know why there's not a Mavic non pro, but um, that's a couple of features that the, the spark have. That's, that's really cool that, that I don't have on this one. And I'm still surprised they suggest that. Like, are you, are you guys surprised that they like, hey, catch this thing in your palm. You got spinning motors. Uh, you probably got some younger kids that are going to try and do this. I'm just, it must work really well because I've, I've been shocked. They, because I've seen some, because they, they definitely do not suggest that with the Phantom, but I do it all the time. These legs are actually great. You're so I'd love far to below. catch mine with the legs. Yeah. You're so far below the propellers. I catch this thing all the time and I actually take off from my hand too. Um, and I do like the bigger legs on here. They give you a little bit more options on where you take off from because you're not flat. Like with the with those two, if you set that on the ground, if you're in any tall grass or anything like that, mm-hmm. it's almost right up against those propellers. So, um, not many advantages with this big honking thing, especially with travel. But a few there with the legs, and I do like to you know hand catch and hand take off. But I've seen some definitely horror videos where it tilts <laughs> and cuts through. I think it was actually yeah. a performer. There was someone doing a concert, uh, and he tried to catch his own drone, and uh, yeah, sliced his arm up. It was some big performer too. I can't remember his name. Yeah, one thing with the Mavic being so low, and I'm sure the Sparks the same way. You mentioned the grass. Uh, I bought one of those little cheesy helipads, and I take it with me if I'm if I'm launching on grass or even my dirty driveway. Um, I, I launch off the the little folding helipad just yeah. so I've got a clean surface. Yeah, That's a good idea. I didn't think about that. And I always use I always use my case or. You know, if I'm launching and I've launched, tried to launch off a of wet grass before and it's like, oh. no, just use the case. And then the, the beauty is you can hand catch. And with the Phantom series, I always hand caught my first. Mm-hmm. It was our first day of vacation in the Azores. And it was one of those weird little areas. It had a brick wall and a parking lot and a structure. And I tried to land and I put it down and a breeze came through and swooshed the Phantom and it almost hit. You know, as soon as it started moving parallel to the ground, I just, you know, I ducked the sticks and killed the motors and thank God it landed and, you know, didn't flip over the wall or something. So from that day out, I would bring it down. I would walk under it, grab the leg and then duck the sticks and I would never hand catch from that day forward. I mean, uh, never land on the ground from that day forward. I just, so too scary. I've been playing around. I know, uh, Dave, you mentioned, um, the i'm trying i totally lost my train of thought on what you brought up you brought up the uh accessories for the drones is pretty much where i'm I'm going with this and we were talking about you know the controller definitely better than using just the phone on those sparks big deal i've been playing a lot with nd filters i don't know if you guys have been playing with those at all so an nd filter pretty much uh for photography people they probably know what they are i had never used them before i got a drone pretty much sunglasses for your drone they help if you're in really bright sunlight help you so you're not as washed out and you can still see some of the finer detail a lot of times you know if you're shooting midday at noon it's really hard if it's a really sunny day to get a nice crisp shot so these nd filters they don't have them down here but they essentially screw on at least for the what oh sorry um so they uh they screw on right to the front of the camera there so the front actually screws off on the phantom and you can get a pack of nd filters and they just screw right on there They've been a lot of fun, but I didn't know if you guys had found any other. We talked about this in the first drone show we did, fun accessories. That's been really the only new one that I've started to play with a lot. 
um, as far as accessories go. It's a must have, honestly. And it's, it's one of the things about the drone industry itself is that's just one more level of complication for a consumer is right. I have to fly with a filter. Yeah. You know, it's so, and they're expensive. I mean, these things are not cheap. If, if you want the quality ND filters, I know Polar Pro uh, is who I, who I use and, and that's who actually makes the bag that I grabbed right there too. I, I love their products. Um, I mean, but you're looking at spending 60, $70 maybe for a set of three. Um, and you really, if you want the a set of three, actually, that's what I got. It does most of what you need to do. But if you want to get really granular, I mean, you can get the whole set of them, um, but you're going to be spending hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd never you should have one. Good, Dave. No, I was just saying you should have one, but I, I can't. I mean, they have some for this thing, but you have to like modify it. So I don't know what it's for the Mavic. Yeah. I, have for the Mavic? Actually, we've got some great filters. I'll grab one in a second, but I had never even thought about filters until Dave mentioned it. You know, I go from the, you know, the hex copter with a, the GoPro, obviously there's no filter options. Maybe there are, I've just don't know about them, but you can't throw a filter on a GoPro in a waterproof case or whatever. So I'd never thought about filters until uh, the meetup when Dave mentioned it. So I have started using them since then. It does wonders for your your midday shots, like Mike totally. said. If it's sunny out, you got to throw a filter on. So Mark Robson in our in the chat room, who's was did on the Mike was mentioning the last time we did a drone show, Mark came on and did the drone show with us, okay. and uh, he he a couple comments he said someone had printed a three D handle for the Mavic uh, to use on launching and landing. Oh, so there's you know you, there's a custom mod for you, and he also said yeah those ND filters are great for snow shots, which would be yeah you would think you know he's up there in the the Great White North, uh, lots of snow. We're not seeing anything here in Nebraska, but oh. Yeah, those snow shots, Keith, I imagine if you're flying. Keith, any any difference as you're flying in altitude? You know, you're at about a mile where you're at, and you can get up into the mountains and get a little bit higher. Does that affect the drone? Dave doesn't have any big mountains around him. Mike and I don't have any mountains around here. Did the mountains make a difference? Not noticeable. Um, actually, uh, about a month ago, I was up over Vail Pass, and I'm like, uh, I've always got the drone in the trunk, so I had to stop and, and launch it. And uh, um, I launched it at almost 12,000 feet, and uh, it seemed to be just like launching it from from here. I didn't I didn't see it struggling or anything like a like a helicopter, you know, a normal chopper would. Um, but it was cool because. Uh, DJI keeps track of our flight records. So, you know, I've launched at almost 12,000 feet, which is uh, Dave's going to beat me on miles. Mike's going to have far more hours than me, but uh, I have had the highest launch. (laughs) (laughs) Claim it now. (laughs) Well, and yeah, I think uh, Mark said he flew it in the Alps this summer, which is awesome. And he didn't see any difference. I took mine to Park City, Utah. I didn't see any difference really. Um, I chickened out. Well, I didn't chicken out. I followed the rules. I was thinking, oh, how cool that'd be to take that up with my backpack and go skiing with it and like have it active track me through the mountains. Like once you get up there and you see the logistics of what that would take and you'd probably get kicked off the mountain, uh, just not worth it. But I've seen some people do it and it's pretty darn cool if you get a good shot with it, but they have a, their own little area, I guess, where it's not a public mountain. And I I can't ski those mountains. So. They don't allow them on the bunny slopes. Apparently. That'd be a great <laughs> shot, though. Exactly. But that's really that, that that's because of the people. Is it? It's against the rules because of all the people around. You know, I, I I assume I didn't even ask because uh, I do have to like I don't ski blacks. I just right. ski blues. I'm not that great yet. So the places I were at were extremely populated, and I'm like, it's just not worth it. And with the altitude change, makes it so hard. Uh, if you had someone flying it, 
that'd be great. But the active track going down, I think would be a little bit difficult. It'd be fun. It'd be great to try. I've been thinking about trying it during the summer. If we did mountain biking, um, down a mountain, I think that'd be a lot of fun to try that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're putting signs out now. It sounds like, did did you see signs that said no, no drone usage? I saw those outside of the slopes. I saw those like in other areas of park city where they didn't allow drones. I was like, it's kind of odd, uh, like in the middle of the city. So it's, is Park City, is that a, a national park or a state park or is it a private resort? Uh, no, it's it's where they had the, um, it's right outside of Salt Lake City. Right. So um, and I just don't know if that's a private resort or who owns it. They have a bunch of different resorts in there. So they do have both private and public areas oh, okay. all within that area. National okay. parks are, are off limits though, right? That's right. And yeah. I do not know if it's a national park. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we, we just took our cell phones out and did it that way. We, we, my son and I went down and did, you know, we, we did the front shot and then we did the selfies as we were skiing down. That was a ton of fun with just the phone to have it. I, I need to take a selfie stick and do it that way too, where, you know, you're skiing down uh, with a selfie stick in the phone. So, um, yeah, the, part of the problem with the active track is, uh, I just, you know, playing around with it on my bike or, or walking around, you know, the neighborhood or whatever, it loses me every once in a while. So I can't imagine, you know, trying to ski down a hill and, yeah. and, you know, it's going to lose you. And yes, especially when it's so cold, I, I don't know if it's using motion or if it's using heat, but uh, yeah, that could go bad. Well, you guys mentioned that it's probably good to kind of back up and tell folks about uh, intelligent flight modes because yeah. these, these drones come with all these extra abilities to fly autonomously on their own without your input. And the first one is, of course, uh, return to home. It will return to home automatically, or you can have it land where it's at automatically. It will do that. And you guys are talking about active track where on your phone screen, you can put it into active track. You can highlight a person, an individual and say track it and it will do its best and i literally don't know how you would do it skiing i would be way too scared i would be down at the bottom of the hill going Woo-hoo! and your drone is up there going i lost you <laughs> so i don't i don't know how you'd pull that off but there's other modes and we are you're gonna have to help me because um the mode where you can put it in to fly a circle like around your house or around point your party interest. point of interest so poi mode that's like a super fun mode where you can, let's say you want to do your house, put it in the center of your house, put it in POI mode, and then fly you know, straight out another 100 feet and then say go. And it'll take those two points and it'll create a perfect circle and it'll just keep doing that until you tell it to stop. And it keeps the camera pointed at the center the whole time. That's yeah. the best part about it because you yeah. can go in a circle pretty, but it's turning and keeping that camera center, which is really yeah. hard to do. Um, so I agree with you. That is my number one used intelligent yeah. flight mode. And there's another one and I'm struggling. I was trying to look it up to see which one it is. Uh, I just <laughs> know it by doing it. So essentially if you're going to be in a straight line you can set the direction and so that way you can keep going forward on the joystick but then you can turn it and it'll stay going the same direction 
but you're turning the drone so that your camera can focus on things. So like if I'm going down a street and I'm going to pass a house, it's almost like I'm in a car ready to the drone. And that way I don't have to worry about doing two different directions on the sticks at the same time. It eliminates one of those sticks having to go in a different direction. It's one of the best flight modes. I -hmm. use it all the time when I'm going down a street, but I want to focus on a house. So I'm looking at the screen and all I'm worried about is what that camera is doing because I know it's going to stay on that line that I told it to stay on. So uh, that's another great tripod mode, is it? Because tripod no, mode just slows it down. Yeah, tripod mode just slows everything down. No, this yeah. is, and I'm going to, I'll look it up and I'll find we'll it. We'll need to look sure. it up. Um, home lock is kind of a neat mode for beginners if they get lost and you kind of lose your direction. You don't know where you're at and you put it out, you know, 2,000 feet. You can put it in home lock and then all you have to do is hit the hit the stick back. Just push the stick back and it'll come straight home to your controller. Oh, interesting. So you don't have to orient, you know, and push it out. Cause I've been lost before I flew at, uh, uh, a neighbor's house and it is completely different neighborhood than what I was used to. And I'm in the air going, I have no idea where this thing is. <laughs> I've just been goofing off and looking around and now I don't know where it's at. Yeah. I use return to home or something like that. And, and, you know, theoretically you haven't moved far. So as it comes back to, to return to home and you can always cancel that as soon as it comes back into sight. Mm -hmm. But, uh, something else you can do, um, is you can change the home point. Uh, and that's probably similar to what you're talking about, but you can make where your controller is home. Um, so what that's good for is like you launch from this side of the park or, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, going down the street or whatever, but you're in a, not that you're flying in a car because you're not supposed to do that, but um, you can, you know, launch at your house, go to go to your neighbor's house three blocks away and make that home. Um, so wherever your controller is becomes home, and you can when you tell it return to home, it actually sets that new home point and and lands you know at your friend's house. Right. Yeah. That is pretty neat. It's a perfect mode too if you're walking a big property, which is what I do a lot. And so okay. I, I do that same thing. I'm walking a big property and I don't want to have to go all the way back if it needs to return to home because that does happen sometimes. Even if you're not meaning to, you'll get behind a hill and uh, it's not that far away from you. It gets behind a hill and it'll start to go home. Well, you want it to come to your controller instead of over there. Uh, so the mode I was looking at was course lock. So if you use course lock, okay. you set your course. And then if you press forward on that stick, it's always going to go in that direction, no matter which way your drone's pointing. So I could be pointing way over here, but my forward on my joystick is still straight ahead. Um, That's what you want in a lot of those shots. And it's funny, we were talking about skiing and on the DJI site for intelligent flight modes, their active track is an example of a skier. (laughs) They say that now it keeps aircraft height, um, distance and distance from you. So it's going to always keep that same height. So as you're going down, if it started at 30 feet above you, it's going to try and stay at 30 feet above you. It's apparently nice. work now with and, until you feet. jump into the air and then you hit it. <laughs> yeah. Go over right. a jump and take your head taken right off by the propeller. Zip. Yeah. Off it goes. Off it hey, goes. as we think about wrapping this up, because this thing goes so, so fast, I want to, I want to think about the future a little bit. And as you guys look ahead, certainly all three of you, I know are looking for future, like, you know, what's what's the latest and the greatest that's coming? Keith, I'll start with you. As you're looking ahead, what are you excited about or what do you think to upgrade on or that kind of stuff? What, what's ahead for you? So I, I think, um, and then Mike had brought it up earlier, I think it's uh, more sensors. We, we really want these things to be able to protect themselves and others better. Um, and as the skies get busier, probably 
awareness, you know, like we talk about with autonomous cars where, you know, when there's multiple, multiple units up there, we want them to, to be able to, to coordinate with each other or avoid each other. Yeah. Have some, have some awareness. We, mm-hmm. we actually, I've uh, been in a couple of demos where here at the university where they're using drones and swarms and they're testing those <laughs> sensors to, to, so they can tell where each, each one of them are at and where they're going. And of course that's a DARPA um, project, but it, it is one of those things. I think, I don't know, Mike, have you seen in the work that you're doing, are you seeing on the horizon new sensors come in? Is that something where we'll get more of? Yeah, I definitely think so. So I think you see with the Phantom 5, or sorry, with the Phantom 4 Pro, you see sensors on all four sides, um, which would be great if you're going sideways, backwards, front, back. It, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think what um, what we've kind of been alluding to is also the sensors where it's communicating with other drones, putting it out there. That, I think, is going to be, like you just mentioned, um, the the next big step, right, is I can see on my map, hey, there's another drone here because it's no longer going to be just you in the sky like it is right now. Uh, the odds of you running into another drone fly right now are very slim, but if you're in one of these more populated areas, if you're doing an event, odds are pretty good. Um, for me, though, the next kind of like, and you can call it a sensor, is so on the Inspire series, this actually, they already have it. And it's the main reason I'm really just, I have Inspire Envy. I really want when Inspire is the top of the, one of the top of the line models for DJI. Um, I want dual cameras. And I want to be able to fly with two controllers, a like a pilot and a shooter. So for me, and I think this will eventually come down to the consumer level drones. I think it's getting cheap enough that they could start to do this. And especially the Phantom series, the Phantom is big enough. So essentially what this would be is you would have a POV camera, which is always pointing forward. And the pilot's controller would show that camera. And that leaves the other person to be able to control the camera on the bottom. Uh, it's as, kind of a turret. Yeah, it's kind of a turret in a free form. I'm not affecting me and my camera. I'm not affecting the pilot and where he's flying. Whereas right now, uh, where you're flying is what you're seeing. So if you want to be looking at something, you better have kept your orientation right in your head and be flying in that way and keep it all straight in your head while you're flying. It's why those intelligent flight modes are so helpful with course lock because it takes out that thinking for you. Um, but a lot of that could be solved if you had two cameras and could be controlled by two different drones. So one person could be flying and the other person could be getting beautiful cinematography and it would just cut down on time so much. I think of all the time I spend on these shoots. Um, this last one I just did last weekend was a simple, all I had to do was go out and take photos of a new ball field. Uh, a turf company had come in and laid new turf at one of our at Creighton Prep, one of our high schools, and they wanted some aerial photos of their work. And it just takes so long when you're a solo person, you have to fly and keep track of what you're shooting and make sure you're not hitting the light poles and these baseball fields are surrounded by them. Um, it's just, it just gets really complicated. So I think some of those sensors and some of those things that are coming out, and I think they'll quickly come down to the consumer level. We've seen that already with a lot of these new features that they've added. Um, I think in another year or two, we'll have a lot of these features that we're hoping for. Number one, for safety. And number two, just because they're getting cheaper to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Keith, anything else on your wish list? Um, no, nah, I think that's it. Um, yeah, that they're, they've gotten so much better, so much more, you know, the more solid, uh, more serviceable Stable. than, than what yeah. I had. Yeah. And, for and, sure. and kind of more average guy in a lot of ways. I think from what I hear from you guys, yeah. I, yeah, I'll be honest, I don't, I probably will never fly a drone. I just, that's not, that's like Dave, like you're saying, I have this Xbox problem where <laughs> the three dimensional stuff is not great for me. Oh, you so, will in 2018, sir. I, I was going to say, we're, we will watch you fly your first drone, oh, wait, Dave, Dave and I. Jim? 
Yes, you, didn't get by, you didn't get on the controller at the no, meetup? No, heck well, no. Okay, I'm Not in a million years. 20 minutes away from him. I'll follow him. I'm going to drive over. He's going to fly this drone. <laughs> it's, it, I'm not going to lie. It scares the bejesus out of me. That's one of the things I'm not. My three-dimensional spatial stuff is not the greatest, and I always would be afraid I would wreck it. Uh, so I just, I'm, I, I'm just afraid. I'll just be honest. Dave, any, any? I guess I'm gonna fly one though. Apparently, <laughs> at the meetup, I'm gonna fly one. Dave, as you, you as you look ahead, what, you what know this what industry, the future is commercial. I mean, I went to Interdrone 17 in Las Vegas this past uh, fall, and it is amazing what these guys are doing in the commercial space with these drones. And I know Weger knows a lot about this, but the software is making these things so powerful. There's, Jim, there's an app called Drone Deploy where you can load, like you can look on your on your map, on your tablet and circle your property mm-hmm. and say go. And your drone will take off. It will get to the spot that it needs to. It will fly its pattern. It will take its pictures. You upload those pictures and it will give you, you know, three-dimensional images. Uh, I did this in my house and I could see the the drop of land from the front yard to the backyard in shaded color, uh, like topographically leading down to the the lake feature. And I could see that in color. It's amazing. You can fly over mining piles and do estimated cubic feet of material. You can count trees. You can count cars. You can do parking lot space, you know evaluation the future is commercial and it's freaking fantastic and that's why i know Uyghur got into this business because it's exciting man no it Having really a, is i wish i was still drones. working at union pacific because the the railroads are using these for inspection i mean yeah. the, and actually it's kind of fun though so the very last people if you guys had to guess i won't make you guess because you'll never get there the very last industry you would ever think to use drones is actually starting to use drones and it's accounting uh, so I work for one of the big four accounting firms and our auditors are actually starting because I mean, that's what we do. Uh, we're starting to use drones for all sorts of different audits. Uh, it's a whole kind of new industry of, of what we're doing. And it's kind of, you would never think bean counters would ever be using drones. But hey, I mean, these things are in every single industry. You're so right, Dave. Right. Um, farmers are using that, them. Yeah, the yeah, farmers the have kits thing. they can buy and they do it themselves. Which is crazy. It's and they crazy. just, it, it knows that once they've mapped out their property, it can go out there. I mean, and they're starting to see like water levels because they can know by the color of the plants and the ground, which ones are getting yeah. more water yeah. and less water. It's, it's insane. I talked to my father-in-law who's a farmer. He's not on board yet, but I, I was like, yeah, we could really, <laughs> we could really make, you could just sit on your back porch and launch this thing and just, it would do all this work for you. No more yeah. going out early in the morning. So. Yeah. Fly his field for him. He will see the yeah. benefit of it quickly. Well, he, if he just uses it to count his cattle, he still goes out and counts the cattle all the time and uh, i'm like you could just fly right over there you could stay here you know yeah stay well, the other thing is well. yeah is we need this industry to have another player and dji is consuming this space and i have been looking for one i thought i found one in a company i talked with at interdrone and i'm going to talk with them again at ces about their product and they do have a collapsible drone smaller than the than the uh the Mavic and it has sensors on all sides. I mean, it's coming, but we need someone besides DJI to move this market forward for consumers. There's, there's, I think there's plenty for the commercial space, but for consumer space, I mean, we need that bad. And it's crazy. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. 
Like, yeah. I don't know what DJI is doing, what their secret sauce is that makes theirs just a step ahead of everyone else. Because there are other drone guys. If you go to Best Buy, you can find other drones that are in the price range of DJI, yeah. but they're just not as great. And I don't know what it is that, I mean, DJI just has a, has a polish to it that these other guys haven't brought yet. And I think you're totally right. If we want cheaper, better, and more innovation faster, not that DJI is not doing a great job already, but you're right, competition will help. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we alluded a little bit right there to a meetup uh, coming up this fall <laughs> and uh, starting to work on the details. Uh, it's looking maybe like a mid-September meetup here in Omaha. So just uh, start thinking about that. And I think we're going to focus. I, I got I, I'll be honest. I just loved watching you guys do this. For me, it was just a ton of fun to watch. And I still love that. I, I love to, I, you know, I don't have to be in control to do it. I know it's cool, but uh, I enjoyed watching it. So we... We actually have a drone field here in Omaha, which is pretty cool. That we'll probably head out to, and uh, and fly out there. There's a lot of open space here in Nebraska to fly. As Mike can attest to, there's quite a bit of open space. Although, the closer we are to downtown, of course, our airport's down there, and we have a big Air Force base uh, that is here that we have to uh, kind of watch out for it's as well. It's not a big segment for me because the Bellevue Market it's by the Air Force base, which means houses turn over a lot. I can't film any of them. Because yeah. they're all within five miles of the Air Force Base. You no, know, and I'm I am within one mile of the Air Force Base. No, so it, it literally is just down. No, you could not fly here. And um, so, uh, some good stuff coming up ahead. Thank you guys, Keith and Dave. Uh, thanks for coming out and kind of giving us all things uh, drone. Stay around a little bit in the post show. We're gonna we're gonna flip over and talk some crypto. I I well, there's a couple times I really wanted to throw that joke in, Mike, and uh, I just I, I I left it out for the show. No crypto the whole show. We made it. <laughs> We we made it indeed. It's a hot topic. If you're listening to this a year from now, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this this crypto market goes. But uh, we've been talking about it a lot. The drone space is uh, is hot as well, and I, actually, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between the two. When we think about, they have a very specific targeted market and a very limited number of people who are actually doing it. They are growing, um, and I think the the drones are growing in, in the sense that you're finding them at Best Buy now and you can buy these consumer grade and so uh very very cool i'm excited for dave what you're talking about is i'm kind of a more like let's how do we set this thing up to be really productive and do something that's kind of more mapped out and it just does it i think there's there's some really great um opportunities in that and mike i actually interviewed uh, one of the guys i interviewed at the heartland developer conference or infotech one of those was an accountant who for an, an organization who was the champion of bringing drones into the organization so they could do really? accounting. Yeah, that it was it was it was super interesting because he'd said to me, I said, wait a minute, you're an accountant? Like you're in the accounting department? And he's like, Yeah. And like you're leading the the you know, you're leading the projects to have drones in your organization. Inventory. <laughs> yes. Oh no, right on, right on. Yep. And they they, you know, they they had buildings and wires and i think this was a power company that we were i think this was okay. nppd or one of those oppd and um they were using them for wire inspections yeah and uh and so super 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 cool one of the things we don't ever cover and we don't talk about of course are the big the big uh, you know the big drones the big airplane style right. drones that are out there and those have those also have caught on that was military grade only for a lot of years, uh, and some of those are making, when you think about big, gigantic surveys and photography, of course, that drone space is big in that as well. well. I was going to save this for another episode, but let me go. I, I have something to show everyone now. <laughs> 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 uh, 
rub shot. I follow my kids on their bikes all the time with with my drone. And if I could just shoot something at them, oh my god! <laughs> a little Nerf gun attached, Nerf I mean, exactly, or, or an airsoft gun, even just drop good. stuff on. Yeah. That would be right. water balloons, or they would have yeah. a blast. Dad, chase us with the drone and shoot us. People got really good actually at they would fly because they wanted to fish the middle of the lake but they didn't have a boat and they attached it to their drone and if they if they stopped fast enough it would go like this and the hook would drop off and go right into the middle of the lake so they that's how they would cast out to the middle is they would take yeah. it to their drone i was like that's pretty perfect that's a good idea yeah yeah that's that's a like that, redneck uh drone i thought you were gonna say the hook was on the drone and they were hovering dipping oh up no, the, no no it was there, just to get the there line is out video there. of that there's someone <laughs> is who's there done really? that yeah Fishing. Wow. They catch a yeah. fish? Yeah, that they way? did. They did, oh and they God. got away with it. it. Was it was an older, bigger drone? Um, nice. Yeah, that's that's a problem. You got a, a drone that can't pick up the fish. That's not going to go well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark Mark's says it. there's a drone. There's a drop system for drones now for fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, if you could, if you got a big enough drone and you can, you know, you can lift some fish out of the water. That's not a bad way of. Right. You know, you're basically putting a little, a little, a little uh, wench on there and dropping that down. And then when it catches something, you're reeling it back up. It's, you just and, better have some thrust. Brian <laughs> said, actually, they use theirs too. Uh, in so for their warehouse for cost accounting inventory on a live, uh, on a live. Do you mean auction or action? I'm not sure there, but yeah. So even in Brian's company, they're using using yeah. them for them. Well, anytime you'd have to cover, you know, cover any space in a warehouse, makes sense. They right? make sense. Yeah, makes so pretty sense. cool. Guys, thanks for coming on. Hang tight. I'll, I'll remind folks, December is the month of the Ghost Browser Challenge. I've been on it. Actually, Mike, so I told you the other day, I've been tracking all my crypto. You know, we changed our systems, and I am now mining about eight different coins all at the same time. And right. to, to, to do the accounting on those on a daily basis, you have to check them all the time, right? And so I would I would go to the report, check how many I got that day. I put it in a spreadsheet, uh, and I go back to – well – Having all those different sites open in the ghost browser was really handy because if it ever got closed or I needed to reboot, it was one click button, open ghost browser, all the tabs are there. It was great. So that's actually, I've been using ghost browser to kind of set up. I have just one uh, section set up just for all crypto. And so everything I need to do is done there. And it's just a way for me to get back to it pretty quick. So good, good use of ghost browser. Have you been, have you had a chance to work with it much, Mike? I know you not the new version. Okay. No, I used it for a while before and I, I have not gotten back on the new version. Yet. I need to do that. Yeah. 2.0 is out. And so head out to ghostbrowser.com and, uh, and give it a try. We're trying that. I've been trying to stay on it just as much as I can for the month of December and uh, been good so far. Of course, uh, Larry and Kat were on a couple weeks ago, and if you give it a try till the end of the month, uh, we just love love your feedback on it. It's been good for me, and uh, and I I've still there are times I just go back to Chrome for whatever reason. But I've like I said, I loaded up all my crypto. A uh, cat would really, if you remember the conversation, Mike, that we had with Larry and Cat. Cat was definitely were you on the no? You were on the show, were you? The first one, yeah. I was. Were you, no, the second one. We, no, the, no, one the second we, one. I was not. So Cat was not very happy about me talking about crypto. She saw that as being kind of like dirty and grungy and like crime you know that's okay. she is so of course larry was like us larry was like talk anyway. more about crypto right as we got to the end of the show and uh and so cat would not be happy to know that i'm now tracking all of my crypto in, in the browser in the browser but that's what we're doing and so give it a try uh ghostbrowser.com don't forget uh, the Patreon link as well if you want to get the post shows and there'll be some interesting stuff on this post show just join us patreon link a buck gets you in 
uh, head out to the average guy.tv slash support or go right to the Patreon link that's out there on the right hand side of the page. Love to have you join. Uh, if you do, we'll thank you on the show. I read everybody off last week. I appreciate your sponsorship of the show. Don't forget, if you have a, a show idea, you want to join us for the back in the day. If you got something back in the day when I did all this stuff and it was old and it was great. If you've got those stories, we want to hear them. Send them to me, Jim at the average guy.tv. I'll do a quick interview with you, get you on the program like we did with Eric last week. And uh, that was pretty awesome. So get that in as well. Don't forget the average guy.tv, both platform and web hosting of, uh, is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high speed po- uh, hosting from Christian. Basically, he was on, we did a Cyber Frontiers uh, on Tuesday night, I think, Monday, Tuesday, something like that, that I literally just released before the show. So if you haven't been following Cyber Frontiers, he kind of gives a, look back at 2017 and a little bit of a look ahead at 2018 and the big data, cybersecurity, all those kinds of things. Um, so if you haven't uh, gotten back in, again, we're about once a month on Cyber Frontiers. Head out there, download that, get that in. Then don't forget, you can download our mobile app that's uh, made available by LastPass, and uh, they sponsor that. We appreciate their sponsorship of it. HomeGadgetGeeks.com, get you that downloaded. Again, I use it every week, actually, to listen to the show. Great way to listen to it on the road or listen to it live. And there's eight or nine of you that listen to it live each week on the app, which I just I still think is crazy, but you get it done. Don't forget the shirts are available. Uyghur has been sporting that shirt all night available for you. $17.99 gets you out there. The average guy.tv slash shirt gets you there as well. Mike, anything else that uh, that I need to cover before we wrap it? Anything I forget? Uh, what, what's the schedule for next week? Oh, what are we doing next are week? We here next so, week? Uh, no, I think we have. Uh, yes. And I think it's Paul Brarin and I think we're doing one of the back in the day, uh, doing some old school tech stuff. So I think that's what usually I have that up. I'm, I'm a bad, I don't think I'll be here. Cause Emmett or not Emmett, the new baby is due next the new, week. The so, new baby. Do you have an uh, impact out for the new baby? Not yet. We are we're, we're, uh, we're in do it. It's some negotiations right now. We're going to be on the spot. Can we, can we make some suggestions? I don't know. Keith, what would you, uh, do, you wanna, do we know boy or girl? Do you have you guys boy. figured that? Yep. So I was for sure. Yeah. You know, Mavic is a pretty cool name. Oh, there we go. Sparky. <laughs> Sparky. Oh, my God. What would Hannah think of those? Phantom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mavic, like, Mavic Phantom Uyghur. That's, that's, where, there we go. Where did you come up with that name? <laughs> well, we were doing a podcast, yeah. you see. Right. And we were talking about uh, we were talking about drones. Let's call him Hash. My buddy Ian made a oh. bet with me way back in the day, and he, we shook on it. So I mean, that, that makes it official, right? And oh, he totally. said if I if I name my kid Ian, his name's Ian, he'll pay for his college. And if if he wants to be a doctor, because he he just he just graduated uh, med school, and he's like, if he wants to be a doctor, I'll pay for it. And it was wow. a drunken night, but I'm like, I might. Oh, I might you should into it. It's yeah. expensive, man. So it's maybe expensive. we might have Ian Weger. I'm like, hey, you uh, said you'd pay for his college. Good. I like Ian. Yeah. Ian's good. Ian's a good name. It's a good strong name. Uh, by the way, Edward. Edward is back next week. So Paul is two weeks from now, and uh, so Edward Weniger, he's our Alpha Bitcoin guy. So <laughs> next week, sorry, Mike. No, darn it. Well, maybe we'll figure out. Well, maybe you can call in from the. I'll call in from, from the hotel wherever yeah. you're at. Yeah. Uh, Edward's on, and we're gonna we're gonna get an update on exactly what's going on, especially from an industry uh, standpoint. He just uh, put in his second Bitcoin ATM in Lincoln, so oh, now really? he's got two. He's got one in Omaha, got one in Lincoln. Yeah, they must be doing well. They got to be doing well right now. You would think uh, people trying to deposit because that's you where you can go to put cash in and get right you know, get Bitcoin. I know uh, a lot of people so. actually use that. Who I was like, wait, you're in Bitcoin? How'd you do it? Like, oh, there's this ATM. Have you heard about it? I'm like, yeah, I have. I actually have. I know the guy, James yeah. Brothers ATM. So yeah, yeah, that's where it was. we are live uh, each Thursday 
8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the Average Guy TV Live. Keith and Dave, thanks for coming on. Dave, it's always great to have you back. I miss our home server show days. And actually, I, I get I hear from our listeners all the time. They love that home server stuff. I you know, know, they're like, know. you guys bringing it back? And we're like, never. <laughs> <laughs> we hit on it every once in a while. I know. I like a lot of storage. I still love storage. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to have you back. It's it's like old times when we're on. I appreciate you coming on, being part of the podcast. Keith, thank Thanks, you man. as well for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. Jim. It was fun. You bet. Uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>